Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. Music of America podcast continues. We're in Meridian, Idaho. I'm going to talk to Bob Houghton, Bob Houghton Music, after we talk about what happened to me years ago. I got in an accident at work where I ended up spending a month or so on my stomach while my back wounds healed. I scalded and severely burned my lower back. And about two weeks into my healing, I realized I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks. So I quit smoking. Now that worked for me. I don't suggest it for anyone else, though. But thank goodness now there's a company called Laser Therapy South, located just outside of Fort Lauderdale, but servicing people all over the country. Since 2003, Laser Therapy South has helped thousands of people quit smoking, reduce stress, alleviate chronic and acute pain through laser therapy. Laser Therapy South has developed its own unique approach to tackle both the physiological and habitual components of addiction to help you achieve total success. It's kind of like an acupuncture-based treatment that originated in Europe and Canada about 25 years ago. Your success is measured immediately. Laser therapy is instantaneous. Your treatment date is also your quit date. The laser is a cold or therapeutic laser and does not produce heat, does not cut tissue, where most clients more like repeat a feeling sort of having a massage after treatment. Laser Therapy South, www.lasertherapysouth, where all your questions can be answered. Check them out if you want to seriously quit smoking. LaserTherapySouth.com, where being a quitter is a good thing. Bob Houghton Music, where's Meridian, Idaho? Well, uh, we are pretty close to Boise, Idaho. Uh That's probably more familiar to most people. So, um, real close to Boise. And... um, uh, Kind of in the southern, south southwestern area of Idaho. Okay, it's a nice area. We've lived here about sixteen years. Moved here from uh, central coast of California. Uh-huh. So, uh But we like it here. It's a nice area. When Enjoy. I when I think of Idaho, I think it's just an extension of Nevada. Is that inaccurate? It's it's prettier. There's a lot of mountains and you know mountain ranges, and it just it's, it's a really nice area. Really, really pretty. Uh huh. And what took you there from California? My wife's family moved here. Uh, her dad moved here. Her sister moved here, and uh, she wanted to be closer to them. And uh, we were kind of tired of living in California. We just uh, felt it was it was time for a change. So we we quit our jobs and we rented out our house and moved up here, and lived lived with her dad for about six months while we looked for jobs. Finally, found jobs and. Looked for a house, found a house, and uh, moved in, and that's that's where we're at now. Now, do you do music? You've got a studio. I do, yes. I record my own music. I record uh, the band's music. I'm in a band called the Wayne Byerly Band. and uh, Which, by I, the way, we'll, they'll be on Friday. We'll be talking with you again with Wayne on Friday. Correct, correct. So I record all the, all the rehearsals we do. I record everything, and uh, sometimes get some really good uh, good songs out of it. And um, I do my own song, record my own songs, of course. So um, it's it's been nice. It's not something that I've done for uh, a career mm-hmm. uh, until recently when I retired about three years ago. 
I've been able to do it full time. But until then, I was working in the automotive repair industry as a service manager and doing service writing, things like that. So that was, that was my career for most of my life. And then um, now I'm doing music. Did you play when you were working in automotive services? Automotive oh, yeah. services? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I did. I you know, didn't have much time to spend on it. So it was uh, it was nice being able to do it more often now that I'm retired. But yeah, when I was working full time, you know, it was long days, at least 10 hour days. Oh, yeah. And get home, I was tired. And, you know, I'd still find enough time to work on, you know, songs, you know, either on, in the evenings or on the weekends. But um, And do you just write your own music and that's it? Or do you, when you were younger and prior to retirement and doing this, what you're doing now, did you do cover band stuff? Did you do solo cover work? Did you ever do cover work or has it always been original stuff? Uh, it's been both. I was in uh, several different bands. It would either, either be a cover band or cover plus originals. And uh, when I was in a band that would do originals, I was the only one that would do the writing of the lyrics. So I would write the lyrics and then uh, come up with a bass line. And then the guitar players would do their thing and come up with something. And then we'd you know create songs that way. But um, if I was in an all original band, I would either be doing my own songs, I'd write my own songs all together and then we'd play those, or I would just be, uh, you know, kind of like a collaborator with the rest of the band. That's interesting. Playing, uh, writing your own music with a band. Mm-hmm. So you have in your head, you have your uh, idea of maybe how the drums are coming in, when the bass line comes in, or do you start when, like you said, you write the music for the lyrics first, right? Right, the, right. The lyrics and the melody, I guess, they go part and parcel, or? Yeah, yeah. I would come up with a melody and, and, and put lyrics to it or vice versa. Uh-huh. And then I would put a bass line to it. And then um, depending on the situation, if, if I needed a, if I was doing my recording, I would, I would record my own guitar parts. But if I was in a band, I would get together with a guitar player or players and we'd mm-hmm. come up with a guitar part that would fit what I was doing on the bass. And then if we had a singer, he would, he would get the copy of the lyrics and he would do the, he would sing the lyrics. And I would usually be the one playing bass. Okay. So that's how brought, we would do it. You brought bass up a few times, but again, and this is an audio only, but the, the, the interview is done via Zoom. And in the background there, it looks like there's a bass amp, but it looks like you've got three uh, electric. Uh, is it one in the middle? Is that a bass behind yeah, you? Yeah, I've got a Schechter bass. Okay. Um, I've got Aria Pro 2, a Schechter bass. Um, and in the background behind me, there's also a Fender Strat and uh, a Schecter six-string acoustic electric. Um, I've got several guitars, but those are the ones that are near closest to me right there. But um, yeah, I started out playing bass. Um, it's kind of interesting. The way I started was in like high school, I never really had a desire to learn to play the guitar or the bass or any musical instrument, even though I loved music and I was going to you know, rock concerts all the time. Yep. And I love, love music, but I never really had the desire to pick up a guitar or a bass and learn it. And one day I went over to my uh, friend's house and they had a little band and they were jamming in his living room. And I went over to listen to him. And the guy that was singing lead vocals and he was playing bass, he was struggling to play bass and sing at the same time. So he says, hey, do you want to try something on the bass? So he, I said, sure. So he handed me his bass, showed me a few simple things on it. And I I played it and it worked out really good. He goes, man, that was really good. Take, take the bass home and, and practice on it. I said, okay. 
So he let me take his vintage Fender uh, P bass home, <laughs> and I got to to start learning, you know, teaching myself stuff on the bass, and that's how I got started. That's so cool. Uh, I always tell people I think the best bass players are guitar players that converted over, but you've done the opposite. You've learned bass, and then from there you branched out and learned other instruments. And exactly, and and I kind of did that as far as like you know guitar and then keyboards. I I did that out of necessity when I would start writing my own, recording my own music. I would, you know, sometimes I would have the luxury of having a, a lead guitar player come over and put down guitar tracks, but I didn't always have that luxury. So there would be times that I had to figure out something on the guitar or, or something on the keyboards to to do those tracks in the song I was, yeah. I was writing. So um, that's kind of that's how I got started learning the guitar and keyboards. I don't do much on the keyboards. I just kind of, you know, fill in here and there, but I'm not really a keyboardist. Oh. But um, I do enjoy playing guitar more than bass, I think. Oh, okay. And now that you've done this, and you know, you've done those three instruments, because those are probably the three primary instruments for songwriters, do you mm -hmm. find it easier to write songs sitting at the piano, strumming on a guitar, or just by plucking around on bass notes and you come up with a, an idea for a melody. And Usually on the bass, um, I'll, what I'll usually do is just come up with a drum pattern, um, like a drum machine or whatever, and I'll figure out what kind of uh, beats per minute I want and then kind of drum pattern. And I would just record that. And then I would just start playing around with different sounds and, and different notes on the bass. And then until I come up with something that I liked and then uh, if I already had lyrics, then I would try and incorporate the lyrics into the bass line to figure out what works and what doesn't. And then I would add guitar tracks to it and keyboard tracks or whatever else I wanted to add to it until it I, became the song. I, I dated a girl a long, long time ago, long, long time ago. And uh, she never referred to bands as bands. She always called them orchestras. Mm -hmm. And just now we were talking, I kind of got that feel that that's kind of what you were doing now in today's music, that which they did in orchestras or back in the you know 16th century, 19th century, 18th century, whatever, they would have to write the part for the viola, write the part for the timpani, write the part for everything. And that's what you do. Mm -hmm. But instead of it having 16 or 28 or 120 pieces, it's three, yeah. or, four, three or four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But yeah, it's... Um, you know, it's it's interesting. The whole songwriting process is is kind of fascinating when you when you think about it. Just uh, I would you know record some basic tracks and listen back to it and go, gosh, it would sound really good if we had another guitar part here or a different sound of guitar here. You know, I just keep adding to it. Yeah. Um, I just recently did a, a recorded a um, instrumental for the first time I've been a just just an instrumental with no no you know lyrics no vocals. And um, I sent it to a friend of mine, and she got back to me. She goes, "That's that's more of a that sounds more like a uh, something you'd hear in a movie, kind of a you know, part of a soundtrack in a movie uh -huh. a score or whatever." And I got to think, "Yeah, it kind of does, you know." And it's just real upbeat and almost kind of like a if you were watching a fast uh, you know car chase kind of thing, and uh -huh. it has that kind of a upbeat sound to it. And she goes, "Man, I'm going to see if I can find a you know." somebody that will you know produce it not produce it but but uh you know get it into a movie right it's yeah. part of a part of a car chase scene or something so oh, that's pretty cool the word i've heard a lot especially with instrumentalists okay uh is texture 
yeah. that the song doesn't just have a tone. It actually has a feel or a texture to it mm-hmm. that fits so well with this scene in this movie or this opening of this TV show or whatever, you know? Right, right. And I'm sure that's probably what she heard. Uh-huh. So yeah. one, of, one of the songs, like, well, we've got three songs of yours we're going to talk about. The first one is Porch Pirate, and I laughed when I heard it the first time. And then I thought, <laughs> am I supposed to? Because it was really funny, I thought. But, you know, yeah, yeah. it was yeah, meant to be satire. It was me- meant to be funny, satire, okay. yes, yeah, exactly, okay. yeah. In fact, it's kind of funny. I, I went to a I went to a, a drummer's house one time, so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for drum tracks for it. And uh, so I got together with this drummer. I'd never met the guy before. I went over to his house with my recording stuff and the laptop and everything. And uh, we were trying to figure out drum parts for it. And he goes, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure." He goes, "Why would you write a song about porch pirates?" <laughs> I said, "Well." <laughs> Um, that's a good question. It's just, you know, when I would go for walks around the, the block here, you know, you'd see, you know, you know, actually, you know, you see on porches, you know, the, the packages or whatever. Right. And I would just got to thinking about porch pirates one day. And I thought, maybe I should write a song about porch pirates. <laughs> really and, fun. uh, so I just started putting some words together and, and came up with what, what you've heard. I wonder how that would play on a radio station if somebody played uh, "Try That in a Small Town" and then played oh, yeah. Pirates." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that hit funny. me this morning. I'm sitting there listening to it, and then I've, uh, for whatever reason, I guess the Richmond from Richmond clicked, which made me think about "Try That in a Small Town." And I'm sitting there thinking, "Yeah, you try, try and be a porch pirate in a small town, see what happens to you." <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. I was when I was writing the lyrics to it, and I read the lyrics I had to my back, back to my wife. And she goes, goes, man, you're, you're kind of taking a chance here. Somebody might take that literally, you know. And, <laughs> and I said, well, I'll just, I'll write a disclaimer into the lyrics. So that actually there's part, if you listen to the lyrics, there's part in there where, where I say, uh, you know, it breaks the law to be a porch pirate. And then there's some additional parts. So I kind of threw some disclaimer in there just to be on the safe side. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, the song is called Porch Pirate. Our guest is Bob Houghton, Bob Houghton Music, and we're going to give it a listen to right now. So this is Porch Pirate. I was walking down the street just the other day. I saw the UPS guy coming my way. He stopped at the house just down the street. He set a big box down right at his I said to him, oh, what do you think is in there? And he just said, that's none of your business. Hey, who do you think you are? Well, sometimes I... Sometimes I wish I... Oh, it would 
Porch Pirate, what a funny song. And uh, our guest, Bob Houghton from Bob Houghton Music, Meridian, Idaho, here on the Music of America podcast. We have a new sponsor on the podcast. It's called Jingle Lingo. The jingle that hits like a single. That's their slogan at Jingle Lingo, an advertising vehicle designed to create a unique and personal jingle to promote and position your business and make it stand out above the crowd. Think of all the musical jingles you may have heard through the years. Who came up with this? Who wrote that jingle? Jingle Lingo can and will put your business into higher vision and focus on all your advertising needs. Jingle Lingo, custom-made, custom-designed with you and for you through the talents of accomplished singer and songwriter Courtney Davis Jackson. Check them out today and get to work on your personalized musical jingle from Jingle Lingo. They're at JingleLingo.com. The jingle that hits like a single. COVID has come up with some really creative ideas for people, and that was one of them. How did you survive COVID, Bob? I, I so, guess what I meant was how did you survive as a musician? How did you survive? Oh, um, it really didn't affect me a lot um, because I was actually retired right when COVID hit. I retired, so um, it didn't really have a big impact on me other than just it being you know stuck in the house more which uh-huh. which which actually worked out better because it gave me more time to work on music and writing songs and so forth i see so yeah do you play out a lot and do you do a lot more with the band or do you do more solo work right now right now i'm mostly doing stuff with the band um we don't play out a lot we just we've done a few gigs but nothing nothing extravagant we do have one gig coming up it's called the battle of the bands is put on by the 25th Army uh, Band. So, hey, I hope you did well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks. what's that like? Uh, will you be in as a soloist or just with Wayne's Band, or we've been with both and competing against yourself? Uh, no, I'll be with just just with Wayne's Band, Okay. the Wayne, Wayne Byerly Band. Okay. So, yeah, the solo stuff I do, I don't play out too much because I don't really have a band of my own to do my own my own music. So it's more of a solo, you know, acoustic solo kind of thing. Uh-huh. So I'll do, you know, coffee shops and open mics, things like that, but uh, nothing too extravagant. So I'm more focused with the, the band, the Wayne Byerly band right now, I'm working on Wayne songs. So when you're 19, 20, and, and I deal with those guys too in this podcast, you're 18, 25, whatever, you're still looking at that opportunity to make it in the industry. You're mm-hmm. retired. So you're not really looking to make it in the industry. You don't want to be the next superstar. So what is uh, what is your goal in music at this stage in your life? I would say just to you know, continue writing music and creating songs and uh, just hopefully get people to listen to them. You know, I'm, like you said, I'm not I'm not into into it now just to, to try and make it big or whatever. I just would like to be able to have music out there um, for people to listen to. Um, I've got about a dozen songs on Spotify and, you know, all the usual, uh, you know, online uh, outlets. But, um, yeah, I just want to have people hear the songs and hopefully they'll enjoy them. And with your studio there, do you, uh, I don't know what the word is, I guess, do you rent or lease out your services to maybe the garage band down the street or, the rapper downtown that needs a place to go record his new, his new hit, you know, would you do that? Or do you do that at all? Um, I, I haven't really charged anybody. I've, I've done a lot of recording for, mm-hmm. for friends and, and for musicians, 
but um, I just never really charged to do it because I, I found that uh, I found some you know, musician friends that um, one in particular, his name was Brian Curry. He was a great songwriter and just phenomenal guitar player and vocalist. And he had uh, you know, dozens of songs that he had written and they were great songs. And uh, I got, uh, you know, became friends with him. And he said, he said, I've got all these songs and I'd love to record them, but I don't have any money. I said, well, come out, come over to my studio and I'll record them. So I recorded probably 25 of his songs and, um, and but I didn't charge him anything. And I created a Reverb Nation page, put, posted them on Reverb Nation and all that. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I said, uh, you know, what, I said, if anything, anything ever happened to you, what would you want me to do with your songs? And he says, well, I would just want you to get them out there. He says, just, you know, make sure I get credit for writing them, but uh, just get them out there so people can hear them. And so that, that's basically what I did. And then, uh, unfortunately, he ended up committing suicide. Oh, my gosh. So, but I've kept up the uh, Reverb Nation page with his songs on it. I keep monitoring that and you know, keep it up to date. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a tough time. That was really rough. Have you learned his any of his songs and play them out? Like uh, only a, one. Um, I just yeah. I did one of his songs that uh, that I learned on the guitar and was able to you know play it like an acoustic um, versions of it. But uh, yeah, just just one of his that I really liked. But um, yeah, he's, he's he was a great songwriter. He even tried out for he was he was getting ready to try out for America's Got Talent, and I did a video of him uh, playing a, a song for his audition. And two weeks later, he committed suicide. Yeah. I hate, hate hearing things like that. It's it's just so tragic, so sad, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Especially, and I haven't heard the guy's music, but I'm not, you know, I've heard yours. It's good. So I'm sure his is good, you know? And then all of a sudden, the talent's just gone like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was weird because the, the day before that happened, he came over to my studio and he had left his guitar amp here and uh, he came to pick up his amp because he was going to pawn it, pawn it. He didn't have any money. He had to get some money. So he picked up his amp to, to pawn it and uh, shook his hand as he left you know, the house. And next morning I saw a post on Facebook from his girlfriend that he had committed suicide. Wow. So that was rough. I certainly took this conversation a different direction than I was anticipating. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that's but, okay. No, that's yeah. right. I mean, this, that's what happens. So, uh, you, you in this show, I follow the direction. It, there's an adage I use: it's easier to follow the horse in the direction he is going. Oh yeah. yeah. So if yeah. that's where we went, that's where we went. What I want to do is try and bring it back now because we were talking about the whole rock star image, and you don't want to be a rock star now. I was going leading up to your next song see sure sure and sure. and it sounds like curry would have been a rock star if he had uh, stayed stay around a little longer too maybe oh yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. so when i when when people send me their music and I, I say this a lot because there are duplicate titles for different types of songs you know i got a a song from somebody called without you and mm -hmm. i immediately thought of uh, the harry nielsen song somebody oh, else yeah. sent me another song and immediately thought of it so i saw rock star I didn't go to the Nickelback song. I went to the Jennifer Aniston, Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh, which, yeah. Which yeah. I think is one of the most underrated rock and roll movies because it's based on a, a variety of stories that people have told that different musicians have done. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's a scene, I think, where they're in a hotel room and they had taken all the furniture and attached it to the ceiling. 
And I believe I believe it was Led Zeppelin that actually did that at one time, or Aerosmith or somebody. I think it was one of those two bands though that had actually done that one time when they were on tour. They're just you know on tour and they're big rock stars and doing goofy stuff and like let's do this, you know. Yeah. But there are so many things like that. But but one of the highlights, of course, is Jennifer Aniston wears just this beautiful dress and she's walking out and they're just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Highlight of the movie. Oh yeah. So what is your rock star about? Uh, it's just about, you know, like we were talking about, you know, being, uh, you know, wanting to be a rock star and wanting to make uh, music your, your full-time career. And it never happened for me, and, and which is fine, you know, but um, I always thought, well, you know, if you can't really do it in real life, you can always dream about it. So I thought, well, I'll write a song about, you know, being a rock star in your dreams. So that's kind of where the the idea came from. Well, let's give it a listen. This Bob Houghton music, and this song is called Rockstar. Just working my day job six days a week. Just making a living. Trying to make ends meet So many things just complicate my day And sometimes life just seems to get in the way So I guess I'll just keep on moving on Each and every day I'm living the life of a rock star in my dreams My thoughts put me up on the stage in front of 50,000 people I'm living the life of a rock star
I'm your host, Tom Pollard. You know, we've all done this. We find that perfect tone we're looking for. Then the club owner comes over and says, uh, you know, you're a little too loud or something like that. You have to change that, which you spend all day trying to achieve that tone. You know, that that tone where you're always in the sweet spot. Well, introducing the Lexi from Landry Amps. The Lexi is a 100-watt amp that has at its core a vintage Plexi circuit. Well, at least part anyway. The Lexi has a rhythm crunch channel and a boosted lead channel. It has digital reverb, a tube buffered effects loop, depth control, and an awesome voice switch. It has considerably more gain than a Plexi does, but at volumes that range from a whisper all the way to concert levels. In fact, it's designed to be played at those lower levels, but without losing the tone. The two channels each have their own gain and master volume control, but they share the EQ. You got to check it out. The Lexi at Landry Amps. They have a YouTube channel where you can go and watch Bill actually perform through several of his amps. Or you can just check them out at their website at www.landryamps.com. Bob Houghton and Bob Houghton Music. Do you bill yourself just as Bob Houghton or Bob Houghton Music or Houghton Studios? Bob Bob Houghton Music. Like um, most of my... uh, you know, sites online or Bob Houghton music sites. Uh-huh. And what do you play? So since we we're just talking about Bill Landry's amps, what what is that behind you there? I can't. I don't have my glasses uh, on, so I can't see what you play. The the, ba- the bass amp is a Behringer, okay. Behringer bass amp, and then I've got uh, a few different uh, you know guitar amps, uh, acoustic amp, and uh, I don't have a Marshall. I'd like to have a Marshall, but I don't have one of those yet. You want to hear I a just, heartbreaker? You want to hear a heartbreaker of a story? Sure, sure. So I did uh, Section 8 public housing when I had a pest control company for over 25 years in St. Louis. And one day I'm in this community of Wellston and I'm treating this guy's unit and then stumbled over something like this on the floor. And I looked down underneath a blanket or blanket of towel. I open it up and it's a basement, 100, Fender oh, Basement wow. 100. Yeah. I'm like, what is this just doing here? He goes, Oh, that ain't any good. Got no tubes in it, nothing. It's just, I said, well, everything else is still good. He goes, yeah, I just don't have any tubes for it. So what do you want for it? He goes, what do you give me for it? I opened up my wallet. I said, I got 20 bucks. He goes, take it. Oh, nice. Nice. So I took it. There's a place in St. Louis called Killer Vintage that sells like vintage gear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy looked it over and he said, you just need tubes in this thing and you've got a gold mine here or whatever, just whatever. It was a beautiful, beautiful amp, you know? 
And he gave me the whole history on the basement and so on and so forth. So I put some tubes in it, took it home and played my guitar through it a lot. But then we started playing the bass through it too. Cause we had a, like a little studio set up at my house and it just had such a cool and sweet vintage sound to it that one of my daughter's friends was with a band said, Hey, can I borrow that and play it? Cause we, I said, I don't have, you know, I don't have any gigs coming up or anything. Go ahead and take it. He had a couple shows and they were getting started so on and so forth. Well, the band broke up and I kept saying, Gabe, where's my amp? Where's my amp? And they stopped returning my phone call. So I found through sources, the band that he was with, I got in touch with the band leader. He goes, well, he left a bunch of his stuff here, including that amp, but he took a bunch of my stuff with him. So I just traded it in for a new oh, guitar. No. Oh. So I gave him the whole story of the whole thing. I'm like, you got to get that amp back, dude. That's my amp. It was not yours to give away. And, uh, he blocked me and stopped returning phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Uh, Such a sad story. I mean, you know, oh, we man. all have our tragedies. I and mean, we, we play for our, uh, we suffer for our art, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So have you played through vintage uh, vintage equipment? Isn't it fun? It is. I've got a Sun uh, concert lead amp over here. I can't really see it, but it's a Sun concert lead amp that uh, I got back in the 70s. And uh, I use that. I actually played my bass through that for a while. Oh no kidding! And uh, yeah, it sounded pretty good, but uh, it's actually more of a actually it is a guitar amp. Uh huh. But um, yeah, it's it's a nice vintage amp. It's it's a, just a you know, it's not a tube amp. It's just a solid state, but it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Out of all your guitars and all your basses, total, how many do you have? Uh, about ten. How many do you need? Probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> really four, maybe. No, the, no, the answer is one more. Oh, one more. It's <laughs> one of my, my favorite, all-time favorite guitar jokes. And uh, speaking of guitar, the last song we're going to play here is called The Path. And I saved this for last because it takes a different path than the other music. It's a softer, more mellow, more acoustic sound. And uh, I thought it was a really good blend uh, or, or contrast, I guess, to the other two songs. So what is The Path? Tell me about The Path. Um, this is probably the most recent song I've I've done, and how this came about was we have a community here that's called the Idaho Songwriters Association, and they put on a, a program where they took art, you know, um, you know, artists, you know, create, uh, you know, a picture art, you know, things of right. art, and um, they created this thing where they would send people a picture of this uh, of whatever thing the, the artist did and then i would create a song using that artwork as inspiration and the other way around what they would do is i they would send one of my songs to the artist and the artist would create a painting based using my song as inspiration so it's wow. called art, art to song song to art that's so that, cool that's idea. that's how I ended up writing that song. The 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 painting that I got as inspiration for the song was a it was kind of like a it was a, a narrow pathway going through like a forest kind of thing with a, with a birch tree overhanging and creating like a, a shadow on the pathway. So that's how the song came about. Was I started writing the lyrics from that, you know. That's it's really poetic. It's re it's really poetic, and now with that imagery, it just makes it that much prettier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. It's a cool concept. Well, this song is called "The Path" from Bob Hope Music.
Time to take a break from the hustle and the bustle of the daily grind I'm gonna walk away from the rat race I'm gonna leave it all behind Stepping out into a different life You can try to find me, I won't care Look to the ocean and look to the beach You just might find me But the time has come to get back where I need to be I'm taking that narrow path home Through the shadows of the river birch trees Just taking my time so I can feel Even more than I can see Lonely path home Past the shadows of the river Birch trees It just feels right And it feels like This is where I need to be Well that didn't last too long Now I'm looking to set myself Taking that narrow path home Through the shadows of the river birch trees Just taking my time So I can feel even more than I can see I'm taking this lonely path home Past the shadows of the river birch trees It just feels right and it feels like this is where I need to be I'm taking that narrow path home Through the shadows of the river birch trees Just taking my time So I can feel even more than I can see I'm taking this lonely path home the shadows of the river birch trees It just feels right And it feels like this is where I need to be The Path with Bob Houghton Music on the Music of America podcast. Bob, this is the section of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. So you mentioned that you've got some songs on Spotify. Might want to mention uh, uh, Mr. Curry again if he's got stuff that's available as well. But also want to talk about the band that we're having on Friday, and that's Wayne Byerly, Wayne Byerly Band. And, and then any other shows, uh, CDs, whatever that's coming up where we can hear you, buy your merch, buy your CDs, just just plug away. 
Um, most of my stuff is just basically online. Um, really, the only thing I have coming up is that uh, thing I talked about earlier with the Wayne Barley Band, the Battle of the Bands. Um, but as far as my stuff goes, if you go to uh, Spotify or uh, Apple Music or any of the online places, just uh, do a search for Bob Houghton Music, H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N, Bob Houghton Music, and you'll be able to uh, listen to my music there. Same with um, YouTube. I've got several videos. I like to, um, when I, after I've written a song, I'll uh, create a video for it and post it onto YouTube. So same thing with YouTube, Bob Houghton Music, and you'll find me on there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Do your videos match up with the content of your song, like Porch Pirate, where you have a video of somebody actually stealing things off people's porches? Or oh, <laughs> I haven't done a video for Porch Pirate yet, but uh, that, that's actually uh, something I have thought about. Trying to figure out what I would what I would do for that, <laughs> but um, yeah, stage, stage it would be one thing, and then tell the police is the other. So <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Well, Bob, we'll talk to you again on Friday, okay? Cool. Cool. And uh, in the meantime, keep on rocking and keep on writing. And uh, thanks for being on. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Uh, and it was Bob Houghton, Bob Houghton Music on the Music of America podcast tomorrow. Michael Brown and the Rogers Station Band from Boise, Idaho. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.